Cradeline Network. Borak Dog Earthlets. My name, my name is Connor. I'm my friend Fox. And this is the 228th episode of Space Spinner 2000. Oh, no. A podcast. Yeah, listen. Where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD. One month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for August and September 1990. Progs 696 to 699. This time... We're at the end of a bunch of major thrills with Necropolis and Slain the Horn God ending. Uh, Dry Run and Kronos Carnival are also ending, but those are less noteworthy. And of course, <laughs> Harlem Heroes continues on. <sighs> like a bad penny. If you want to read along with us, you find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd, The Complete Case Files 14, Slain the Horn God, and the Judge Dredd Magazine numbers 358 and 359. And with that said, speaking of Judge Dreadfox, speaking of Necropolis, speaking of, of dudes getting their hash settled, oh, man, and so forth. I'm so into so many things that happened here. Yeah, a lot of vacuum, my dude, man. Definitely a lot of vacuuming, a lot of ghosts, a lot of like sort of standard comic book moves and unstandard comic book moves. Mm. So let's get started with Thrill One. Judge Dread. Uh, the sisters are lost. No. <laughs> Lame ass Judge Dread. That's excellent. <laughs> oh, geez. The sentence is life. Our the, mission the, is the crime in peril. Is life. The sentence oh, is death. Oh, no, you do, Dale. Our mission is in peril. It cannot be. <laughs> so, script about John Wagner, art about Carlos Scarlet, letting about Tom Frame. And mm. we're. In the final throes of Necropolis. Oh, yeah, because it's like they're they're dead, but they're dying, you know? Like, Whoa. it's really deep, man. Yeah, the death of the city of the death. Necro-Necropolis. Last <laughs> episode, we saw Judge Dredd, former Chief Judge Magruder, and the cadets kill side Judge Kid Aggie and banish the Sisters of Death back to Dead World. Saying dead, on, death, and here. judge quite a bit here. Yeah, get out of here. Uh, this removed their psychic grip on the people of Mega City One, and the judges now able to think for themselves are not pleased about this whole situation. Oh yeah, they're they're having a they're having a realization that they did some poopy boy stuff. That's right. They start shooting the dark judges as the ju- dark judges themselves just keep slaying as you do. Yeah. Um, and among those dark judges is the dark judge Dread, aka our buddy Kraken. He can't stop. Won't stop. Yeah. Meanwhile, from the H wagon, Dead Man Dread and Chief Magruder are calling into Justice Central, tell him to pick up the injured Judge Anderson and the cadets, and you know, just hop to it with taking out these dark judges already. You gotta know, have stop a close up on their teeth. That, I, there's so many teeth in this fucking Judge Dredd. That's right. Yeah, listen, we're in a teeth-heavy situation. It's like, uh, there's some director, I feel, movie director, I feel like it does a lot of teeth stuff. I want to say David Lynch, but I don't think it's him, actually. Oh, man. I mean, there's, uh, Quentin Tarantino does the weird foot stuff. Yeah, 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 but I'm, I'm not talking about foot stuff. I'm talking about teeth <laughs> stuff. 
But I did, I did literally in my head think like Quentin Tarantino with feet, but with teeth. And <laughs> I mean, they that. both have E's in them. Double E's. Whoa, whoa. Dude, <laughs> that's too much. <laughs> 9-11 was an inside job. <laughs> I'm feeling, feeling weird here, Fox. I don't like it. I know. Um, I, <laughs> so it's, yeah, Magruder, though, is, despite her weirdness, definitely settling back into, into a leadership position here. Loving it. Across town, the judges are trying to atone for their sins that they've done in the course of Necropolis by just shooting the shit out of these dark judges. <laughs> um, Patel, blam, badam, yeah. badow. You see, hot, high X rounds completely destroy the physical form of Judge Mortis, who just turns into an angry skull cloud, basically. I mean, this is the problem with shooting spoopy ghosts. They're going to yeah. turn into spoopy ghosts. You can't kill that with does not live, you know? You can't um, kill what does not live. Whoa. The Mortis Cloud escapes as Judge Fear starts tossing bear traps as he oh, does. Oh, God. It's such a power move. Bear traps are terrifying. That's right. So the judges deal with him the old-fashioned way, just toss a can of Boeing at him, registered tra- trademark, and he gets uh, bubbled Steven Universe style, so it works out. God, man. it's <laughs> I love Boeing. He's just good. now stuck forever in a really rad pose. That's right. You got yeah. Listen, you got to be real. Like it's like me, where the first thing I do when something goes wrong is I'll momentarily adopt a superhero pose, mm-hmm. just like in case I get trapped in carbonite or something. Yeah, you never so know. I, yeah, like you want to be, you want to leave a cool pose to antiquity, Fox. You gotta like. Yeah, you don't want to be sitting on the toilet stuff. taking a poop, right? That's right. Yeah, you want to have shoes on. Yeah, like I, you know that's minimal. That's my first. That's my first move when I hear raised voices outside my apartment, Fox. And it's like, all right, I'll shoes just slide. I'll just slide into some pants now, just in case, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, elsewhere, dread, uh, dread, death, fire, and dread are slaughtering more judges. We see fire get blown out the side of a building, and death decides to get tricksy. He runs, tosses oh, just God. some dead bodies. At pursuing judges, <laughs> it's such a fucking great move. Like, try this on for size. See, uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, have a nice trip. Exactly. Listen, he, listen. This is sort of the transition from death to a slightly less uh, serious character. But um, wow. we see him laughing hysterically and then taking a leap from a skyway. Necropolis no, is no more. His dream is over. And so he jumps, tumbling down to the city bottom below. Speaking of feet, man, we get a close-up. Yeah, none of these dark judges wear shoes, for the record. They don't yeah, I know. They, they do not want service at your local restaurant. Well, I mean, listen, like they're they want to start a confrontation oh. about not wearing sir, about not wearing shoes so then they can start killing everybody, Fox. <laughs> All right. They're just like the people in a viral video walking into Trader Joe's without a mask on, like oh, as we're recording this God. in August of 2020, you know. <sighs> just go go away, those people. All they them. are there to start a fight. Yep. <laughs> anyway, Judge Fire rides on the ground, but it's no good shooting him. Like, listen, he's just like, he can survive it. It's not hurting him or anything. Yeah. But his his body is destroyed, and he too turns into a skull cloud. So Dread, flying over in an H-Wagon, basically sucks him up into the airlock of the H-Wagon. Gone from blow to suck. Yeah. Whoa, yeah, Spaceballs. Um, yeah, got him. <laughs> on the ground, uh, Dark Judge Dread cracking a... a 
will, will of course remember stirs and then surrenders himself to the other dark to the other judges because he's free of the influences yep. of the of the sisters in the dark. Judges. Less one hand too. Oh yeah, I feel like this happened off screen. I don't yeah, remember this actually I, happening. Neither do I. Like it's just. Oh, because he kind of says like, "Oh, I turned on him, I guess, and tried to shoot him." Yeah, but then I forgot. I'm not, I'm not clear on what it means when he has a borrowed lawgiver. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's Aggies or something. It's 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 a it's something that I, I should have looked back on, but didn't because I'm lazy. Hey. Um, hey, man, maximize your minimizing. Sure. Soon the real Dread and Magruder arrive to settle Kraken's hash. The two clones confront each other. We get some nice, like, split-screen stuff of mm. Dead Man Dread versus a fallen fallen Kraken here and stuff. Um, Kraken admits that Dread was right. He was weak. And, yeah, we learned that he blew his hand off with the stolen lawgiver and that death possessed him and turned him to help in their evil, dirty work. Turned him into an well, ugly boogie man. That's right. And while he was killing everybody, he couldn't control himself, but could observe the horror he was racking. And so it was just generally bad times. Yeah. Well, you know, only one way to deal with that, and that's to give him a drubbing. Or yeah, a, pretty much. Know. I mean, he's he's free of them now and leaves himself in Dredd's mercy. Dredd seems empathetic. I mean, he he knows the sisters of the power of the sisters of death all too well. He doesn't blame Kraken for let, for giving in, but also can't let him live. And so he shoots his clone brother in the chest right God through damn. the badge, blasting a massive hole out of his back. Ugh. Real sad, but also like man. Couldn't have ended any other way, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, you just at this point, like it's too, like you know, he he fell to the to the dark judge, like having you know having a judge who had been who has been actively one of the dark judges just doesn't seem like a good idea. Uh, as the PR. judges themselves are trying to rebuild their reputation after Necropolis, I mean, know? they got to get the the word out that that was not actually dread at some point, you know. Yeah, and like it's just a, and honestly, if Kraken was still alive, you know, he's he is, you know, he's fallen once, and I feel like once, you know, once you've broken, when you re, you know, you you regrow a broken bone, it's weaker than it was originally, so it's only a matter of time before he'd snap again and you know go nuts or whatever. I mean, I feel like the General Justice Department credo is fool me once, you get shot. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't appreciate the foolish. Yeah, fool me once, go to the cubes <laughs> or whatever. The false dread uh, falls dead as the other judges look on stunned. Dread says he couldn't have let Kraken live, and Kraken wouldn't have wanted to live anyway. Yeah, maybe. I will say this is an interesting sort of rhyme to uh, the Apocalypse War, just because if you remember in that one, after Dread killed uh, Chief Judge Griffin. He faked his own death by shooting himself through the badge. So this ah. is sort of another time Dredd's been shot through the badge in the course of one of these biggest Scara epics. It's the only way to truly just like kill a Dredd is to destroy his badge. I mean, it definitely has a symbolic thing. Yeah. yeah, although in the Apocalypse War, it just meant that the bullet was like didn't kill him as much. Like it sort of didn't go as far into his body. <laughs> Whereas in this case, it looks like the badge instead just made the hole blasted through Kraken's chest all the bigger because like the, the badge vaporized and went all the way through or something. Yeah, damn. Um, so a search of the city bottom finds no sign of Judge Death. Um, he's lost seemingly. He's in the wind. Magruder orders the other dark judges secured. 
puts the city on alert for death and orders official communications open to Texas City and Mega City 2 so they can basically say, like, hey, listen, like, we saved the world again from death gods, so, like, you know, time to do your part, basically. <laughs> help us help us get rid of some of these bodies and feed these people. Yeah, like, thanks for not helping us when the actual problem was, do- was going on. Like, good times, yeah. assholes. <laughs> <laughs> she snags a lawmaster from another judge and heads to the Grand Hall. Magruder's once more assumed the mantle of leadership in the wake of a disastrous, a scare drawn mega epic, which is also another thing that rhymes here. Because yeah, Magruder uh, ascended to chief judge in the aftermath of the Apocalypse War as mm. well. Um, so aid does come rolling in from Texas City as mass graves are filled with necropolis victims. Over 60 million people are reported to have died. Yeah, Recyc can't handle that. I mean, yeah, at some point it's just like, listen, like these things are like, we're going to get like major health problems waiting for Recyc to get back up and running and start processing these corpses. Mm-hmm. We just kind of got to toss them out there, you know? Man, I feel like... <laughs> If this doesn't come back to bite them in the ass by having 60 million zombies attack fucking Mega City 1, I don't know. It's it's such a treasure trove, in a way. I couldn't say one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> later at the Greta Garbo home for Wayward Elsters, which you might remember that this block actually has appeared in Judge Dredd in the past. There was that story about that one uh, uh, old lady... That found that the uh, medical staff was killing oh, yeah. um, old people at the home, and it just and it turned out to be a crime because they were killing the wrong elders. But that is very much like listen, That's, once you kind oh of my God. are old and have dementia, Mega City One, like they sort of keep you around. But if your mind is lost enough, that will sort of off you, basically. Yep. But so that's this place <laughs> from from Fucked Prague's uh, 606 to or 605 and 606. Mm. We see in kind of the dining room here, the uh, the skull ghost of Judge Mortis trying to possess corpses to regain a physical form. Yeah, that ain't going to work. Nah, I think he's got to possess a living person to do it. So it's not going well. The judges kind of have him locked in there and aren't sure what to do. When a hover chair shows up, it's Anderson. Man, I know she's getting better, but goddamn if I don't love a hover chair. Definitely, yeah. She's full Professor X here. Mm. Absolutely. Um, she she floats in and absorbs Mortis into her brain and then presumably deposits him into a Boeing cube, just like full Ghostbusters here, like, you know, trap and containment unit. Basically. <laughs> oh, my God. And they do just have an acorn shaped fucking containment unit, which is suspended over a pit. Seems like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that that's exactly. So, yeah, we're at the end of, of, of Necropolis. The three capture dark judges are secured in like you said this very superhero movie kind of situation mm. like this is very similar to i'm thinking like the end of like x-men where um you know they have magneto in like super prison in super jail or yeah whatever. it's gotta all be made out of like glass or plastic so he can't do his magneto fun Exactly. And here it's like you said, like the three judges are the three dark judges are encased in Boeing and in kind of an an, an acorn shaped um hang in prison with people watching them under constant guard and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um But yeah, and so but but otherwise a lot so they're sort of secured, but a lot of stuff's up in the air. I mean the sisters of death are back in their home dimension, no doubt plan on something. Mm-hmm. Judge Death is at large in the city doing God knows what. God I mean Probably being crazy. Yeah, and I gotta say, more than other Judge Death encounters, this one has a much less definite end, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, it's 
Like they haven't like encased everybody in Boeing the way the first <clears throat> Judge Death was or um, like sentenced them, you know, destroyed them in their home dimension mm-hmm. or, um, you know, stranded them in limbo or something. This is very much a very superhero kind of end, like where it's only a matter of time before, you know, Joker and Two-Face break out of Arkham or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. They got to they gotta start their prep work now. Yeah, they, yeah, basically. I mean, that, that's very much the actual end of this comic where like – Anderson says, like, it'll be Muggins who deals with it, yep. which is, my, to my understanding, is the British version of, like, Anderson and Dread, uh, you know, of Anderson and Dread sort of standing around being like, who's got four thumbs and is going to have to deal with the Dark Judges when they return? <laughs> Are these guys, <laughs> as they point to themselves with their thumbs, you know? Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, the end of Necropolis will be... Oof. We'll be dealing with the fallout of Necropolis for most of the rest of the year, I think. And honestly, this whole thing has been a gigantic year-long thing, if you count, mm. like, Dead Man, which started back in 1989. Oh, yeah. And honestly, it's an amazing swan song for uh, John Wagner as the writer of uh, of Judge Dredd. He's going to start transitioning <laughs> off Dredd after this? Like, oh, definitely, damn. he's going to start alternating... Uh, or sort of sharing writing duties with uh, with Garth Ennis, sort of in the coming weeks and and and, and months. Garth Ennis, who uh, we might who, who folks might know from uh, Preacher or mm-hmm. from uh, Punisher Max and a couple other things. I I really like his uh, a lot of his American work. I'm sort of you know questionable about some of his 2000 AD and Dread work. But I think it's also sort of one of these things where he's very young doing this, so it's sort of a yeah. you know a problem of the things. But I'm interested to see how it goes. But this is very much like to me, this feels like a real capper to um, to Wagner's time in 2000 AD, or in uh, in a dread, especially just sort of this story that tie that ties up so many loose ends that we've been building in dread for like you know years Absolutely. and years. You know the Judd. So awesome. Dread's dissatisfaction with the Justice Department, mm-hmm. like the mega epic itself, has so many callbacks. You know, it's full of stuff of like you know, oh, like this is the Dunk Ronaldo block where they attacked previously, or like here's like almost every you know, here's the return of Magruder. We're checking in with Judge Giant. I wish we'd we we'd gotten some Hershey in here too, just to oh, kind yeah. of cross the T of getting all the characters we've seen um, in here. But you know. Generally, I thought this is a really fun epic and a really yeah. I mean, well, we should talk about it more at the spinnies because this feels like a real spinny, oh yeah, absolutely. Like, kind of, I mean, kind the, of situation. The, the thing for me that stuck is like what's real up in the air for me. It's like yeah, judge death, all of this, whatever. But like also, I mean, yes, that is important. Don't I'm not to belittle it. Um, man, Judge Dread. I mean, he still probably is not all that happy with the whole department or with the whole no, concept, yeah. right? So I mean, it, we yeah. I kind of mentioned this earlier, yeah, but we haven't really seen him, like, settle the feelings that mm. – or the situations that made him um, leave the city in the first place. I think it'll be interesting to see how he responds to things going forward and stuff. Exactly. Oof. Fucking exciting. It was a good good, yeah. good read. Good on you, Definitely. Dude, yeah. So, you know, um, I'll say – so, Justin, um, in terms of uh, when folks will be here next, because I'm sure you're interested vaguely um, – Judge Death himself will return this Friday in the pages of the Judge Dread magazine, <laughs> um, where we'll actually be get it, be dealing with um, for a, for a, a couple months having the uh, 
the judge did the judge death backstory actually. Oh, like we'll be learning about what he was like before he was Judge Death, and just sort of yeah, the story of a uh, of a supervillain and stuff. Oh, that's rad. Um, besides that, he won't be back except for like maybe cameos or something until about 1994, and the Dark Judges won't be around. Honestly, like according to Barney, until way in the future, like in the two, like in like 2012 or something like that in the 20 teens. God damn, really. And this itself <clears throat> is the is the final appearance, is the only appearance of the Sisters of Death in their current guise. Oh. So it's very much stuff that is sort of up in the air. I mean, that could all change, of course, but it, it hasn't happened yet. So it's sort of something that could be a big deal going forward. I will say that, of, of course, all of this is not counting the Dead World stories that started in 2016, which shows which are about the fall of the universe that judge death is from and everybody transitioning to these different dark judges include and there's a big there's big subplots about like the backstory of the sisters of death and that one as well cool and like i gotta tell you as a as an armchair 2000 as an armchair tharg i gotta imagine that this dead world series which has been running for four years now gotta culminate in some kind of interaction with the main dread timeline yeah you know? i mean it just seems like it would make sense but that's a question that will that you and i will be dealing with uh, far in the future no, good <laughs> so Lord. better not to worry about but i will say the important thing is just that while i'm making a lot of references to this being a very like superhero movie and comic ending it's not like this is the start of regular dark judge incursions mm. into the in, in into the prog there's some stuff but you know i think they do like if there's one thing i'll give to all years of 2000 ad generally it's that they're able to like not just go full batman with the dark judges you know yeah that's good i i mean it they're, like that's the nice thing about the variety of like enemies that that the state sort yeah, of faces right like like yeah like like it's not just the same like cycle of rogues gallery every every few mm-hmm. years or so. I mean, there's going to be some stuff. I mean, listen, like there's going to definitely we're definitely going to see some death stories and stuff, you know. But a lot of those are sort of non or semi canonical. Like mm. you know, when uh, like I think coming up actually pretty soon we should be getting to the uh, the crazy ass Judge Dread Batman crossover. Which I know you'll be excited to talk about, and that one has death in it as well. For instance, fucking awesome. But yeah, but anyway, enough. Like I don't know. I just wanted to talk to sort of have some idle idle chatter about um, Necropolis because it's a really fun, Hell mega yeah. epic, and I feel like something that we've been building to for many many years in the course of uh, Judge Dread. Oh man, I'm stoked. Definitely. All right. Hey, so now that we've talked about this amazing long-running story that I'm a huge fan of and has really sort of expanded the characters that we that 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 we love and uh tells a really tightly scripted um amazing tale, Fox. <laughs> let's let's move on. Oh. And now that I, now that I've highlighted it, let's just assume what I'm what I'm also highlighting when we move on oh, boy. to Thrill to Harlem Heroes. Oh, womp womp. <laughs> Script robot Michael L. Fleischer, art robot Steve Dillon and Kev Walker, letter robot Bambos Georgiou. Part 20 of them Harlem Heroes. 
Last time, teen Kathleen put on the holographic no. headphones of slain Harlem hero Trips, <laughs> and those headphones interacted with the campaign badge she was given by her father, the man who could clear the hero's name of the murder of most of the top-level U.S. government, <laughs> and now it's driven her insane and she's running off the side of a cliff as an assassin with metallic eyes shoots the team. Okay, so everything's simple. Yeah, basic stuff. Dodging sniper fire, leader of the team, Duncan, snags a jetpack and catches Kath just in time before she hits the ground. Almost Gwen Stacy style, but not quite. And she uh, comes to once that headset gets ditched. Meanwhile, Slice and Silver take out the assassin with grenades and continue witty banter, while the hacker member of the team, Patrice, finds a holographic chip inside the campaign badge, which was my bet when it was introduced. Hooray! Fucking A. (laughs) It was the most obvious choice, so that's how it goes. Um... (laughs) They'll need a really powerful computer to read the chip, though. Um, so they're off to a good start, I guess, when they find the sweet jet fighter that the assassin had. I bet it's got a heck of an onboard computer and apparently seating for about a dozen people, which works out. I mean, but also, like, spoiler alert, no, it doesn't. It's like, okay. Yep. Like immediately, that's like, oh man, we've got this super cool thing, and it's gonna have a great onboard. Com- no, it's not. Nope. Definitely. Yeah. Slice start. Slice breaks into the plane, admires its weapons. It's clearly from the office. This evil government organization. And while it does have some nice computer equipment to decode Kath's badge, they'll need a smart computer. And Silver has an idea to get one, namely that goat head commander thing from those militia gorilla dudes. Man, fucking sure. Okay. Yeah, whatever. It's being transported by the office to the office's New Mexico headquarters. So let's fly out and grab it. Why not? You know, like, how is that thing going to refuel? Maybe it's got a nuclear engine or something, but nah. No, because they don't have nuclear engines because they were stealing that experimental Mm -hmm. plane and it had gas. So I guess the answer is not to worry about it. Um, (laughs) Luckily, Duncan can fly up or Deacon can fly a plane, though not as well as Trips could. It takes off and soon they're closing in on the transport vehicles, but it's armored and brimming with guns. Oh, no. I mean, not... Not all that many, you know? Nah. They fly in, avoiding surface-to-air missiles as Slice gets on the weapons joystick and fires some armor-piercing rounds at it. But, oh, jeez, the car's got some kind of hypersonic sound wave that deflects all the bullets. God, this is like, you know, a a schoolyard fucking kid's... Oh, yeah, I'm I'm shooting the missiles at you. Well, I've got fucking... I got special missile armor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. But yeah, so uh, the car, this car is too smart for a frontal assault. Okay. It's hard to use the weapons office to take out office vehicles, I guess. But Silver's got an idea. What about that commander guy? And Patrice does some hacking, and the goat effigy's eyes blaze to life, and all the electronics inside this car start to short out. It crashes, Ugh. and soon slices there to open up the car thing, and the commander guy is snatched. Mission accomplished. Great. Elsewhere, that office assassin with the metal eyes is digging himself out of the rubble, and now it's personal, of course. I mean, you know, I, <laughs> I feel like it's it's not personal. You were the one who decided to shoot them in the like they just how is defending themselves like oh now they're now they're fucking they've crossed the that's line. right listen listen I tried to kill you but then you tried to kill me back so now it's personal buddy oh, God 
Listen, you don't you don't become a master government assassin if you don't have real thin skin, buddy. That's how it goes, <laughs> you know. Wow. Like, just going back to kids on the playground, like, sometimes you beat a kid and then they're going to destroy you, despite the fact that they... <laughs> They asked you to play one-on-one old maid, Fox. Like, I knew how it was going to end. And that's just how it goes. <laughs> I'm going to beat you. I am the old maid master. <laughs> I mean, well, like, but, like, you can, you know, once you get down to a point and you know you've got the old maid, so it's only a matter of time before they pull the card, and then you can keep track of where they have it in your hand so you can win. Like, you know, uh, whatever. Enough about Conrad oh dealing with his, with his sister when she was six, and there was a <laughs> it was an incident. Um, Patrice routes the plane's computers through the commander. There's a lot of, like, beam projections Ugh. to various computers and stuff like that. What this whole thing seems like, Fox, is that there were computers on the plane, but they needed an interface thing. So it's like when you had, like, the Sega Genesis, but then you had to get that deal that, like, plugged into the Genesis, and then you had to plug the uh, the cartridge into oh, it, you know yeah. what I'm talking about? yeah, yeah. Just add some extra processing power in there or something. Yeah. Um, but, but anyway, but it's a hog. It's, yeah. it's not. It's on a TV. Well, then it projects it back into the computer systems where they can the watch fuck is the point this guy's of... memories on the TV. What is the point yeah. of it being a hologram? <laughs> well, I guess uh, I, I'm, I'm, t- I'm Fox. You, you know, <laughs> you know the thing that I hate even more than the Harlem Heroes itself. What's that? It's that it forces me to answer questions to justify why things happen in the Harlem Heroes. <laughs> I I know I shouldn't be asking them, but I forget that a lot, and then I ask. No, the no, question. no. Like, I mean, I mean, this is the this is the interface of this is the format of our podcast. You know, where Ugh. it's it's very much like why is this happening, and Conrad tries to explain it, but I resent <laughs> it when it's Harlem Heroes because I don't want to try to justify the stuff in its world. You I know, just, I'm so tired. And it's so confusing sometimes. Look, they needed two extra progs in, in it to, for its run length. So they had to just do a quick mission to get this goat thing. Oh, God. Plus, like, listen, like, they spent, like, a couple minutes, like, just, like, create, like, designing the character for this punk-ass goat scarecrow. So we're going to just let that go. That That's got to make a second appearance. That's fair. Um, but yeah, so it's a recording from the age memory, so it's kind of choppy. But one thing is for sure, and that's that the heroes that killed the government aren't the actual Harlem heroes. I mean, they this know whole- that, but they still look like them, right? Yeah, they seem very similar, but I don't know. Apparently, there's enough differences if you look close. Look, look closely. <sighs> okay. And it seems like this whole story so far has, they've realized, be in the office trying to frame the Harlem heroes Duh. for killing the government. Yeah, obviously. Duh. Yeah. Anyway, this means they can broadcast all this information and clear their names. Awesome. But to broadcast it far enough, they'll have to break into a big megacorp transmission complex. Luckily, when they try to do that, they'll have the element of surprise, not counting the bug on the plane that Metal Eyes has and is listening to them. Oh, God. Second time these heroes have been picked up on bugs. They got to work on OPSEC, basically. (laughs) Um... Oh anyway, the the hero's plan is set, and Metal Eyes flags down a passing train slash truck, and the driver's slow to pick him up. He's probably going to kill them and take it, as you do. We'll learn what the heroes will do in two weeks, because they're skipping Prague 700. All right, whatever. 
Can't stress that enough, Fox. <laughs> Thank God we get a break. I won't remember Less- what happened when we come back. That's fair. Speaking of less than whatever, Fox, and getting back to some more conscious, consequential thrills in the Hell history yeah. of 2000 AD, let's talk about Thrill 3 Slay. Oh, man. There's so much good art in this. Watching oh, a, yeah, it's a amazing. Dragon eat two people at once is pretty rad. Uh, yeah, definitely. Script about Pat Mills, art about Simon Bisley, letter about Steve Potter. Um, we're in the home stretch of the Horn God. The credits page has a sketch of Dung Collector Moron, and we're in the final stage of the battle. Um, Slaufeg's been killed, but the witch Maeve is more than willing to avenge his death and kill Slain and all of his people as they are on skyships trying to go to get to safety. Gotta appeal to the goddess of death. Yeah, we see her standing around all sexy, summoning demons and dragons and stuff. She's calling on the destructive side of the goddess of nature, like this goddess of death aspect of mm-hmm. it. Well, Slain calls on the goddess of life aspect of Danu. Um, and again, invoking the objects of power, as you do. Um, Maeve summons strange creatures from the L worlds, these gray demons that eat people's faces. Pretty And rad. they generally... Oh, go ahead. I said pretty rad. Oh, yeah, 100%. And they are sort of dueling for the favor of the nature goddess. The, as this happens, the druid Cathbad admonishes Slain. And it seems reasonable to me, to be honest. Yep. But, you know, tr- Slain's n- n- not, not trying to hear it at this point. I mean, not in the mood for your shit right now. <laughs> yeah. In the end, Slain makes his case. Like, hey, if you let Maeve have her way, she'll kill everybody. And then what's going to be the fun of that? Everybody's going to be dead. You know, come mm. on. Why don't you why don't you just kill us slowly and have fun that way? It's the old uh, the old two bulls joke, right? Like you know, like where the the young bull says, "Let's run down and fuck one of those cows," and the older <laughs> bull says, "Hey, let's walk down and fuck them all." You know, so that's what Slain's offering here. <laughs> and and then to, to sweeten back, the pot, he uses a magic words. That's right. Yeah, he recites the ancient lover's charm, Sato, Arepo, Tenant. Opera Rotas. Okay. Uh, this is the Sator, the uh, the Sator Square from antiquity. The oldest version was found written on a wall in the ruins of Pompeii. It is one of the more, you know, it's a, it's it's one, of, it's like a slightly more obscure set of magic words, but sort of in that same thing as like abracadabra and etc. Mm-hmm. That have like sort of historical, mystical thingamajigs. In slants a lover's charm, and when you say it to a lady, she can't resist you. I guess. All right, this, there, bud. Brings Danu's favor and um, Slain warps out to an insane degree and the rest of the members of the Earth tribe warp out with him. Oh man, this is real good shit. Yeah, they slight, they fight back against Mace forces, slaughtering and butchering, but that's all we know. Because as he tells this tale, Uko passes out into a coma and his part of the no. tale is over. Not my stinky buddy. Seriously. So the part 10 credits page is a close-up on a big old wild boar. With Ucko dead, the narrative continues with Nest telling the tale based on ancient texts, including the uh, the the, uh, the Tan, which is the Tan Bow uh, Kolnia, okay. and the Book of Invasions, which are these both sort of uh, real historical record or records or books, accounts of ancient Irish history. Um, and it basically, and all this stuff seems to confirm Slain as the historical Irish folk hero, uh, 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 Cuchulain, mm-hmm. which is a, which is a whole thing, basically. Okay. Um, 
Nest's account here is very dry and constantly referring back to the texts Ugh. as we get just some awesome bub- word bubble-less Simon Bisley art oh, of this yeah. crazy warped warriors killing everybody and stuff. It's pretty awesome. Biting people, getting... Oh, man. It's just so gross and so great. There's a real... There's a really great one I actually really like of a Maeve falling from the sky as her dragon uh, falls dead next to to her and stuff. That's really neat. But basically, Maeve's defeated and all the tribes of the Earth Goddess flee to the empty island of Ireland. Once it was like sort of mountains, but now it's just sort of land where they establish their kingdoms. Pretty cool. Um, And let's try lots. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, well. Oh, yeah. First, we cut back to the uh, to the Eternal Fortress, where we see Nest talking to another druid. There's some more sort of behind the scenes um, stuff where they talk about how um, Slaufeg getting that spear through the junk might have been Ucko's dramatic retelling <laughs> of of standard emasculation rites involved in the power in, in transfer of power among the Celts. You know. Mm. Just sort of more of the stuff like last time where we talked, where Nest was sort of trying to talk about the, you know, matriarchal underpinnings of the events of the story, whereas Ucko was very much in favor of just talking about more blood and guts and things like Hell that. Yeah. Um, along that, along those lines, I really like that the High Druid is basically saying, like, yeah, no, I, I, I know you can finish writing the story, Nest, <laughs> but. I'd rather hear Ucko's version of it because I guess he was an eyewitness account, but sort of the unsaid thing is, and his version is exciting, while your version is really goddamn boring. (laughs) (laughs) So crack an egg on his head and spill his gross-ass juice in his mouth, all right? Yeah. They 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 crack a time worm egg and pour it into Ucko's mouth, which grants him eternal youth so he can keep writing stories. He suddenly gets reborn as a young Ucko, all frisky. He tries to drop the uh, Sator Arepo on Nest, and she just slaps him, you know. And he's back to saga writing. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) It seems Slane's running his kingdom all crazily and egalitarian, giving out land by drawing lots that's fairly distributed, putting aside some land and crops for the old and the sick and stuff. It's terrible. If everyone shares everything, there's nothing to steal. Think of the, think of the thieves. Yeah, don't be a dick here, Slane. <laughs> yeah, don't be a dick by helping people, you jerk. I, I know, what a fucking asshole this guy. <laughs> Goddamn hippies, Fox. That's what I'm trying to say. Now let's go uh, flay a man and eat his body. Yeah, well, very much. I mean... This whole time, from the start of um, from from the start of this story, we've definitely been teasing that it'll end in Slane's death. You know mm-hmm. that, like you know, he's got this. He's you know he's he's been made a king of the Earth Goddess, and that uh, kingship has term limits, and in seven years they kill you, basically. Hey, okay. So this starts off with kind of a fake out as we see. Um, a set the, the credits page is a semi-crucified king walking to their fate and it starts with a funeral of a king at the end of a seven year reign covered in greenery beaten and flayed impaled he'll soon be butchered and eaten alive as part of the druidic rites his head cured and used for sports but it turns out that this was just King, Ga- king Gan and Slain's fine I mean that guy was and, already pretty out there yeah Definitely. So, uh, yeah, things are going okay in his kingdom. Um, he promises Ucko that Ucko, that the dwarf will die when his reign ends. <laughs> 
and we see stuff like uh, the law of the land. Like if you have a grievance with someone, you have you can you you sit outside their house on a hunger strike um, until it's resolved, and the person who you sit house you're sitting in front of has to take an, a, a hunger strike as well. God. So Ucko has is forced to return stolen goods to the people that he stole stuff from. Basically, well, you know, he always likes to stick it to that poor dwarf. Yeah, and we're pretty much cleaning up house here. Mm-hmm. Um, after Neve's marriage ended, um, she and Slane get married, but also for another year contracts. We'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, we see Neve's ex-husband Rory heading off into the sunset with some burly dude. I'm, which I'm pretty cool about that. Listen, I'm cool with that in 2020, but this is clearly supposed to be a joke making fun of this guy in, in 1990. Um and uh, Slane and Neve are very happy, and so the story ends, for now. There's more to tell, Ucko teases, about how the Kingdom of Pleasure was ruled, how Slane died and Ucko escaped, and Slane's later adventures, which were some of the greatest ones ever, some say. Okay. And we end with Slane walking off into the sunset as the narration explains that all the kings of, I- of the land of the young settled in different parts of Ireland, which was split into five kingdoms, which meet in the middle on a hill where the navel of Ireland stands. And one day, Slane himself would grow to become the king of all of Ireland. God damn. Yeah, listen, uh, before the show, we talked about my uh, Crusader Kings 2 playing Fox. Fuck yeah. And that's a uh, 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 pro tip for Crusader Kings 2 and probably pr- pr- uh, Crusader Kings 3 out now, I'm, I'm assuming, um, is that uh, Ireland's a good place to start when, w- when you're learning that game. Mm. You know, it's relatively low stakes. You're disconnected from a lot of the other uh, more powerful kingdoms and stuff like that. So you sort of just, you know, bash heads with other Irish leaders and stuff. Hell yeah. But. You do get us from that game. I do have a sense of where these different Irish kingdoms are and where they meet in the middle and stuff. And it's very much implied that that rock of destiny um, that was one of the one of the great uh, treasures of the Earth goddesses kept there and stuff like that. Oh, awesome! Anyway, yeah. So whatever. Um, <laughs> the last page is an explanation of sources that Pat Mills use and explanations of terms, including like a concept of a historical slain of the. It's tribes of the Earth of the Earth Goddess or the Furbolg, the Stone of Destiny, Crom Cruach, and other kind of stuff like that, and the books that Slain refer or that Mills referred to for Slain. The end of Slain the Horn God. Yeah, awesome. What a story. Yeah, it was real good. Uh, yeah, know, is he coming back? Oh yeah, uh, you know Slain will return, but for, we'll, we'll have a bunch of Pat Mills detours before then. Um, next week, actually, we'll start with a brief one with uh, Nemesis, the Warlock, and the ABC Warriors, and that'll and, and we'll have Fuck a little yeah. bit more of that. Then uh, we'll have um, modern day eco terrorists, but still connected very much to the mythology of Slain Finn. Um, after that, and Slain himself will be back in a uh, summer of 1993, where it okay. probably be a very different place. Oof. That's a long time from right now. Yeah, well, there, you know, there's going to be other other Mills stuff as it goes by. I think mm-hmm. Mills, you know, with the success of Slain, I wonder if Pat Mills is, wasn't worried about being typecast as the Slain guy. Nah. I guess so. He's sort of branching out into other things, and I'll say that he does end up being typecast as the Slain as the Slain <laughs> guy right now. Like as we're recording this in late August 2020, uh, Mills Pat Mills has actually said that he's basically done with 2000 AD because all they do is want him to. Come on for more slain. He's tired of that stuff. Hey, man. You got it. He, he seems like a dude who likes to stretch his legs a bit. 
Yeah, and not before there'll be a billion more slains. I will say this is pretty much the end of Simon Bisley in the Prague. Um, he'll be back for one more slain story many years from now, but otherwise this is his real swan song. Um, a lot of swan songs. This is his real like sort of final work. He'll show up a bit more in the uh, in the magazine hmm. doing some stuff. Guys, he's got some dread He's things. got great fucking taste, man. He's really good at, yeah. at like just making aesthetic. He no, really I mean, he does a, a lot of texture. It's like I loved that like giant crown with a bunch of like growing branches and claws, and that's ah, great. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, Bill's, Bisley's an amazing artist, and that basically means that he can't, you know, he just can't stick around 2000 AD. He's onto far greener pastures mm-hmm. and do some more stuff. I believe he he actually does do the art for Judgment on on Judgment on Gotham, the uh, the dread. The, the Dread Batman crossover, which, again, I've got sort of in my queue for us to talk about at some point. Hell yeah. Yeah, good times. That's slain, buddy. Woo! Two big thrills to start us, you know, finishing off two big thrills that have been with us for a long time. I mean, the Horned God's been with us. We, we've been talking about that forever, I feel like. Yeah, big time. It's, uh, it is, it is, uh, I feel like I'm going to miss that a whole lot because, goddamn, if it wasn't just like this nice little heartbeat. Yeah, I feel like yeah, it's definitely an, an, an end of an era. I think as we sort of finish this up in Prague six in, in, in the six hundreds, um, and I guess let's uh, reflect on those Prague's themselves by going to non thrills covers and nerve setters. Some pretty rad covers. Absolutely, yeah. Prague six ninety six. Say cheese and die. Steve Yole's got a close up of Dre- Judge Death's toothy grin. And it's very green cover. Yeah. A lot of teeth. Lots of teeth. In the, ner- in, in the nerve center, Tharg says he's run out of TDUs, which are these uh, 2080 badges he mm. was sending letter writers as rewards. And now he's shifting to LRDs, which are liquid refreshment dispensers, a.k.a. a 2080 mug. Okay. That's pretty cool. <laughs> There's... Yeah, it's fine. There's pictures of a throwback Judge Mekon and the Fabulous Furry Freak Judges, which is a reference to the Fabulous Furry Freak Brothers, an underground comic by Gilbert Shelton out of Austin, Texas. Oh, cool. Yeah, letters theorize that Dread will survive and get plastic surgery. Come on, buddy. Like, right. Just appreciate the story. Don't be a jerk about it. <laughs> um, another letter asks if 2000 AD will last long enough to inspire comic award names the way Eagle has and you know it will last a long time but I feel like you gotta also be real influential and then close to have an award named after Mm. you it'd be weird to have an award named after a comic that was still actively running and that's what 2000 AD is to an extent at least um there's also a request for more realistic, less attractive female characters in 2000 AD. Sure, uh, I, you know, fair enough. And mid prog, there's an ad. In a way. Yeah, that, that's a fair point, actually. Um, there's also an ad for the coming prog 700, a list of characters asking who who on this big list is not going to be there, and the answer, of course, is Johnny Alpha because that dude's dead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> The prog ends with another thing to look forward to by Mick Austin. This time, Nattering Nosh, a burger that flies around and talks to you. I am not into that. Me either. I gotta say, don't like it. Um, prog 697, Blades of Wrath. <sighs> Kev Hopgood draws the showdown between Zale and Saitan in Dry Run. Pretty rad. 
It's okay. In the Nerf Center, Tharg's getting super stoked for Prague 700 and the reboot it will bring. There's pictures of a hard-partying Judge Rave and a uh, Psy Judge Anderson-tar. Oh, my God. Two-thirds horse, one-third human, but all judge. Mmm... And a close inspection reveals that this sexy centaur Anderson may have a My Little Pony cutie mark on its hindquarters as well. Oh my god, that is fantastic. It's also got, she also has like an armored, like front part of the horse chest, I guess. Which sort of comes down on the question of like, is a centaur naked if it doesn't have something covering up that part of its body? Which (laughs) is... Is the gro- <laughs> like if it's a human, that's the groin, but if it's a horse, that's just sort of like the collarbone area, yeah, you that's know? The, that's the chest. They're entering the chest zone. Listen, it's the kind of question that I feel like normals feel like they've got a lot of strong ideas about, but if you're willing to get re- into the into the weirder porn, you'll find <laughs> that the subject matter has been settled. Um, Letters ask what it means when there's two names listed as artist, and Tharg explains the concept of comic book inking. Another asks about the relative excellence of Joe Dredd over Rico Dredd, and a final letter laments never having a letter published, despite writing hundreds of them, but then has finally remembered to mail one this time. Ah, ah, ah. Okay, buddy. Mid-prog, there's an ad for a full-page ad for something called Kill, 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 a bi-male tactical role-playing game, which I was very intrigued about, but I'm having a lot of trouble finding information for. Mid-prog, there's an entry in John Brosnan's Flicks column, big feature on the movie Hardware, which was based on the story from the 1991 Dread Annual Shock by John Wagner and Kevin O'Neill. There's also reports about RoboCop 2 flopping, announcements of the Flash and the Swamp Thing TV shows, as well as our own Brendan McCarthy doing storyboards for Highlander 2. Hell yeah. Yeah, Bronson is appropriately dismissive of the crazy-ass plot of Highlander 2, by the way. (laughs) Now there's aliens, and there's an alien dimension? What the fuck? The project ends... (laughs) With a star scan by Ron Smith of the Kronos Carnival team walking around a wasteland shooting their blasters as an angry looking Laurentian looks on. Pretty good, I think. Yeah. I mean, the fact that, once again, his chair has rocket boosters. Yes. Very important. It's very good. I, I would say also this one, it came... Prog 297 came with a, uh, with a, with a poster mm. for the Judge Dredd magazine, which was very much just a, a basically a blown up copy of that Judge Me- uh, Judge Dread magazine ad that we've seen in the in the pages of uh, of 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 the Prague with that um, you know Dread standing over the skyline with a lot of like light blue and yeah, um, you know and like having a weird shoulder eagle if you ask me mm-hmm. um, yeah no it's 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 pretty cool and I want to give a shout out to uh, to Paul Dawson. And uh, Roland Boozes of uh, the 2080 Megaverse Facebook group for uh, sending me pictures of that. Oh, um, fuck yeah. Of that poster because it wasn't on Barney. And I was sort of, I spent some time looking around for it and couldn't find it online. So I appreciate it. Um, Prog 698, farewell to the king. Simon Bisley paints slain, sitting among some skull. Look, skulls looking all awesome, complete with his boar championship belt and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the Nerve Center Thar compares Prog 700 to the monolith in, two, in the movie 2001, which is fair enough. There's 
pictures of a crazy dread, the warped and a judge tank girl kicking yeah. her way into the comic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Letters include a guide for getting your letter printed, um, a letter from a new fan from France coming to 2000 AD from Brian Bollins where mainstream work. And then the prog ends with an ad for the first issue of Dark Side, Ma- oh, sorry, of The Dark Side magazine. And I feel like it's got what you got to have when you're uh, doing a horror movie themed uh, magazine, which is have a big picture of Robert England looking, you know, in, in Freddy makeup, looking all spooky. So good. Um, I thought this was interesting. I looked it up and this magazine's still running with issue Whoa. 211 coming out this month as we're recording. God damn. It's pretty awesome. cool. Yeah, Plus just, George Romero. Yeah. Just all this like sort of, Ooh, this very Tom much seems lo- like a, yeah, but like a British Fangoria or something like that. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, Prog 699 in memoriam of 60 million mega citizens. Dermot Power God draws damn. the bitter end of Necropolis as Dead Man Dread counts the cost. In the Nerve Center, Tharg announces that this is the end of this iteration of the Nerve Center, which we've had for about the last hundred progs or so. Okay. Yeah, next episode, there'll be a whole new look. We'll talk about it then. Um, there's pictures of a skater dread and that. the judge. Yeah, pretty soft. I, I like the art for that one, actually. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very, like, like got very sharp lines that I appreciate. And the Judging Brothers, which is a judge version of the rap group Jungle Brothers. This uh, image is uh, is based off the cover of their album, Done by Forces of Nature. Just FYI, complete their their uh, necklaces and stuff that they're wearing. Um, letters ask for a Tharg movie. Use a lot of Beetlejuicy and phrases. And then a third letter demands that 2080 feature more British stuff. Why not the Hampstead Heath heroes? Why not indeed? Wow. Um, Towards the end of the prog, there's a big ad for Prog 700. New new stories, new gifts in the form of 2080 scan cards, which will be included in the issues. Better paper for the comic, and a new price at 45 pence. God damn, getting this big money. We only kept 40 pence for 50 progs, Fox. Less than a year. I know. Shocking. Anyway, the prog ends with a contest to win a Mazda MX-5 for calling up the British version of a 900 number and answering some some, some, some trivia questions. Uh, I, I, uh, like a child? Yeah. Okay. Listen, you can win a car for your mom, I guess. She, she, she'd enjoy cruising around the neighborhood in a fancy sports car. As long as she drives me to the EB Games with a car that I want her, then yeah. Absolutely. I gotta, I, I gotta look at these demo games, Fox. All right, I gotta check them out. Exactly. <laughs> and speaking of us, uh, maybe slightly disappointing endings, Fox. Be mm. it um, a prog ending with a nine hundred number contest or various uh, uh, Hillary Robinson related things. Let's yeah. go to Thrill Four Kronos Carnival. Uh, script robot uh, Hillary Robinson. Art robot Ron Smith. Leg robot Gordon Robson. Man, I'm loving this big boy that they have. He really just doesn't stay a big boy for very long. This dragon that 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 they've got, no, or the the uh, oh, Aru. This, uh, caveman bro, yeah, caveman dudes, yeah, yeah. Last time, Jenny, Neil, and Laurenti and the dragon found some kind of caveman dude frozen in clear rock in some caverns on a different planet, and it seemed to talk to them. The adventure pals investigate and soon hear the voice of the creature again asking to be released and offering them anything they want. Jenny's daughter back alive. Laurentian's planet restored. Neil able to walk and fly a plane. It's the kind of offers that if you're smart, you really can't believe. Yeah. And 
Jenny and Laurentian definitely realize that. They go to leave the cave, but Neil holds back. And as they discuss how spooky this whole situation is, Neil prepares to to shoot the imprisoned being free. And of course he did. Never leave someone behind when a monkey's paw is at stake. That's right. Listen, this guy's booty blind by his own legs, his own booty. (laughs) Um, Anyway, he's done it. And once he's freedom, this caveman genie thing doesn't look like a cool guy. He's flying off. He's shouting, Aroo! And yip, 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 as he goes. Man, <laughs> the most evil just, of phrases, I guess. Yeah, no, it's going full uh, full appa here. Soon it's squeezing through doorways and escaping, destroying the elevator bot along the way. That's the kind of casual murder that establishes someone as a villain. Oh, um, God. They gotta deal with this right away. There's no time to waste, though. The uh, uh, Jenny and Laurentian are feeling bad for Neil and has an ability to walk and stuff like that. Um, above ground, the G- they find the genie playing hell with the rides of the carnival, making him go super fast and throwing people in debris everywhere. I mean, a lot of debris. people are getting real hurt just because of this one guy thought it was a good idea to shoot a, a giant block of caveman. That's right. Jenny manages to pull the lever and turns off most of the rides, but then a scream comes from the time train. Oh, no. God. You know, usually you love hearing screams from the time train. It means that ride's awesome. Yeah, these are the wrong kind of screams, though, I Mm -hmm. guess. Um, They rush to the time train currently set to the French Revolution as a tornado (sighs) seems to sweep through the park, throwing stuff around. Their fission rifles are locked in a box that Neil has the key to, so they'll have to do this the hard way. Can't can't fizz something out of existence, huh? Not yet, at least. In the time train, in the time train, they see a scene of horror as people, uh, as guests, are led en masse to be guillotined. Um, it seems like a lot of tourists are being killed here, and the uh, folks here getting very uh, Scarlet Pimpernel shouting about Aristos and so forth. Yeah, I like the two-headed guy. That's arguing yeah. with himself about who's going to get their head cut off first. <laughs> totally. I feel like there's a lot of in-jokes hidden in here that I'm not super picking up. Mm. Like, I think right above that two-headed guys are uh, Johnny Storm and Crystal from the Fantastic Four. And then another weird lizardy dude above them oh, yeah. that I think is from something as well. But, like, those uh, those black bars in the lady's hair are very crystal of mm. that, that uh, Fantastic Four character. Anyway, they're executing everybody. <laughs> Laurentian tries to step in but gets clubbed by a revolutionary for his trouble Jenny tries to get the dragon to see through the illusions of the time train does so herself and manages to turn the, to turn the switch off for the ride and shut it down the train goes offline but she hears the genie guy arooing from outside what now he's doing an aroo definitely so <laughs> prog 699 we're clearing out Kronos Chronicle. Chronos Carnival, so two-ish, two episodes in 699. Yeah, damn. The door to the time train are jammed with the power off, but Jenny quickly gets the get, gets them pried open, I guess, to safety, and they just assume it's all part of the ride. Back in the train, though, Jenny's confronted by a dude throwing a baby doll at her, and she reacts poorly. It seems mm-hmm. like this is a representation of her daughter, and she attacks this man, scratching his face. God. Clearly, it's some old trauma she had from before she joined the carnival. Real, like, nasty work, man. Definitely. Jenny, the man, struggle until she realizes that it's not her former husband or whatever, but the genie that she's attacking. What's up with this guy? It's not clear, as he goes flying off. God. <laughs> it seems like Jenny... 
got this toy doll of her daughter and Laurentian got a similar model version of his home planet. Mm. Like that's how this genie's restoring these things that 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 that, that was promised to them. Um, you know, he's giving them what's promised, but maybe not to scale that he implied. So he's doing a real Obi-Wan Kenobi kind of bullshit here. <laughs> you know, so you could say I did fulfill your wish from a certain point of view. Ah, come on, buddy. Yeah, fuck you, Ben Kenobi. Uh, <laughs> um, Neil shows up all sheepish. And it seems Laurentian has a plan to take the genie down. It involves using someone as bait. And by God, that better be you, Neil, because you're being real. You're being a real asshole this yeah, story. Yeah, dude, you're, you're the bait. Like, there's no debate about who it is. Whoa. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jenny picks up a smashed uh, test plane and a you know, Neil action figure that he's sort of driven his chair over. <laughs> are clearly the fulfillment of the wishes that were promised to him as well. Man, he didn't center, even make yeah. the, the plane to scale so that his guy would be able to fit in it either. Real dick no, move. No, no, it's, yeah, it's a real dick move. Um, in the center of the park, the trio prepare to fight the monster. Neil will get his attention while Laurentian and Jimmy and Jenny use these dang pulse rifles. So on top of a spaceship ride, the genie howls and Neil rides to confront him. It tosses debris at Neil as the team goes into action. They form a triangle, sending power lines to each other and immobilizing the monster. Jenny goes to shoot. And um, then uh, uh, as Laurentian kind of like uses powers to stabilize him, um, uh, the genie tries to fight back, tempting her with an image of her child. But Jenny knows her daughter's dead. So she just keeps so she just shoots right through it. She's hardcore, man. That's right. Don't fuck with her, buddy. And (laughs) obliterates the genie. Hooray. Red. Yeah, the day is saved. Everybody's kind of pissed about it. And later we see the carnival back up and running. But the objects... Offered to the team by the genie are now prizes to be won at the Hoopla game. Hey, why not? Dreams die, but nightmares live forever. What a horrible thing. That's a horrible proverb. It's a terrible one for where this thing goes, because that's the end of Kronos Carnival. The page says there's more coming soon, but that is untrue. Man. This is the final work by Hillary Robinson as the prog, and all of her stories are going with her. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, I mean, yeah, basically, um, after this, after Arcturus, uh, the, the most recent Medivac 318 story, mm-hmm. um, editorial wanted to give, wanted to have another writer take up that story, basically. What? Why? That's a good... Well, basically, what we're going to start seeing actually is a lot of um, 2080 editorial sort of favoring certain new writers and this alienating both other new writers that aren't on their sort of a um, friends list wow. and older writers that have a little bit, you know, that sort of aren't aren't hip and cool, basically. Um, but but since Robinson had written these characters in a previous work and ha- held copyrights to them, she asserted her rights to control them and basically said, hey, if you if I can't write my stories, then I'll just take my ball and go home, basically. This led to friction with editorial, and they fired her, and she's basically blacklisted from 2008 for years to come. We'll see her become the punchline of jokes and things like that. Um, what? Because of it. Oh, yeah. Listen, there, there are hard feet. Like, she leaves, there are hard feelings, you know? It's basically, the, uh, especially on, on 2008's uh, part. God damn. 
Um, I mean, she was working as a speech therapist at the time, and comics were very much sort of a sideline and hobby for her. Mm-hmm. Like, she got into comics basically because she has a, had a friend who was an artist who wanted to get into comics and needed a script. And because she was a sci-fi, she was an amateur sci-fi writer, she was like, fine, I'll, like, write something that you can draw for a comic. And that was sort of her first work in 2000 AD was this sort of, you know, thing to get a friend, to, to let a friend get his foot in the door. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so, you know, yeah, so it was a hobby and very much something that she could sort of go on to, to do, to do other things, basically. They, things sort of reconciled and she has an interview in, uh, the Judge Red magazine, uh, 346 in 2014 about it, you know, 30 years later or whatever, Jeez. or sorry, um, you know, 24 years later. And she seemed pretty, uh, contemplative about it, I'd say. Like, you know, she says... Writing was my hobby then. I have gone on to have other hobbies that I've excelled at. She was the, in the mid-2000s, she became the, the senior UK women's longbow champion for several years. Whoa. So she just kind of got, got into longbowing. She became, she uh, got into uh, reenacting Viking battles oh, and like telling, this telling stories of Viking invasions and stuff like that. Like, right. she's just done a lot of cool shit, basically. Ten, ten out of ten and, for that woman. And she's able to kind of look back on her time as two th- in 2008 as these kind of two years where she wrote science fiction for a really influential comic, and that's kind of neat. Yeah. You know, she, like, she talks about how in her comic she was able to, like, set some stories, like, in her hometown in Ireland, mm. or, like, put, like... She had two kids at the time and was able to, like, sort of sneak some of her kids into the backgrounds of comics and things. And I think it's really cool. You know, I mean, I think she was, like, basically – and she basically did, I think, what I what I think a lot – what we all want these creators to be able to do, which is to own the rights to their own work. Mm-hmm. And when create – and when the edit, when, when editorial tells them to do something that's bullshit, to be able to say, like, fuck you. Like, I'm not yeah. going to do it, you know? Exactly. Fuck them. Like, and, you know, and I think that, she, you know, she sort of admits that she definitely had the luxury of being able to just kind of, you know, take her ball and go home, basically. Like, that's not something someone who is who's doing comics as their way, main way to support themselves can do, maybe. Sure. But I do think that it's it's good in her, you know, that's a that's an, an interesting mark in, in her favor as a writer, I think, of just being, you know, in this position to do the, do that kind of stuff and actually do it. You know, I feel like we talk a lot about these days about creators' rights and stuff. Mm. Um, you know, with the Horn God, there's a huge discussion about how much royalties Mills and Bisley get for that comic, despite being so immensely popular and having sold so much. They, right. they get... Like, you know, there was some some weird stuff where, like, 2000 AD sold a version of the Horn God that was specifically, like, well below cost, seemingly, and then didn't, you know, send any royalties to Mills and, and Bisley because it, because it was below cost oh, and stuff. It you. seems like, you know, like, like, you know, I feel like there is a move in modern comics to talk about creators being ill-treated by editorial as something in the past, but I don't think that's true. As much as we'd like. And, um, you know, Robinson is this sort of someone who who has sort of fought against that in her own way, you know, very early on. I also, you know, just sort of talking about, you know, she the the rest of the legacy she lives in in her in her 2000 ID work is really great. I think just sort of centering non non standard protagonists. So many of her Mm -hmm. stories 
featured women, especially Irish women, as well as the disabled. I mean, you know, as much as Neil's kind of a dick in Kronos Carnival, <laughs> like... Just it's because like, he lost the use of his legs doesn't mean that he stopped being an asshole. Well, yeah, but I mean, and it's like there's not – it's not like there's any other disabled heroes in 2000 no, AD. You know? I mean, a big thing I wanted to say when we started this is just that like, you know, I feel like representation is, you know, is really important. And I don't know if, rep- if the representation in – um, in Kronos Carnival is the greatest, but I mean, I've also been blessed in my life to not really have to deal that much with being wheelchair bound myself or with people who are confined yeah. to wheelchairs. And I think a lot of times, I know there have been times where I've seen um, a, a, a diverse character added to a comic and found it to be tokenism, whereas someone who's actually one of those groups seeing a uh, uh, representation is really... Um, is really enriched by 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 having that character and you know that that kind of character added to the story. You Fuck know? yeah, um, yeah. So I don't know, but I mean, basically, like you know, this is I don't know. It's sort of my my eulogy for Hillary Robinson in 2000 AD. You know, like her stories were always a breath of fresh air. I think, and you know, in stories where things get very dark and grim in this era era of 2000 AD, having like light breezy funny sitcom stories is a nice can be a nice release valve i think mm. um stuff like you know zippy couriers or some of her tales from the doghouse and stuff like that you know i don't know i'm i'm, I'm sad to see her go i i liked her contributions to the comics absolutely quite a bit. I don't think that, like i don't think they were ever top thrills but i think they were appreciated as part of the of the thrill portfolio of the prog she was in i was getting you know? excited for more medevac man me too, man. Medivac really sort of ended with this idea that things were going to get more complicated and stuff. Like that's a that's a comic that feels like it was still in the process. Like it was going to like it, like I a lot of times I think of like really complicated stories as being like a juggler, right? Mm. And you know when a juggler starts their act, a lot of like their you know the first part of the act is just getting all the balls into the air, and then they do shit with the balls basically. And I feel like Medivac was still was still in the process of getting all the balls into the air for what that story was actually going to be. Yeah, you know, sort of leading up to things. So I'm 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 bummed we didn't get to see that, especially. But yeah, I don't know. But that's um yeah. Again, I'm gonna miss Hilary Robinson's work, especially as we get into more of a lads, lads, lads kind of um, oh, 2000 AD comic great. as we get further into the 90s and stuff. You know gonna be gonna be missing gonna be missing some zippy couriers when we're in the in the in the in the fever swamp of uh of a big dave is what i'm trying to say just in terms of you know for those in the know listen speaking of ominous things to come fox let's talk about thrill five dry run man oh man gonna shoot some (laughs) guns in the air and i guess breathe in a bunch of radiation gas Hmm. Yeah, I guess. Uh, script robot Tice Fahamaji, art robot Kev Hopgood, letting robot Gordon Robson. Yeah, the swordsman crew finds a lady being menaced by a bunch of Thunderdome, uh, beyond Thunderdome kids and scares them away. Then saves the lady, and they're like, oh, it wasn't like this in the long, long ago. Her name is a Generous Toy, wow. and she oh. sells dreams to people. Generous Toy. You know what that makes her, Fox? What? A dream dealer. <laughs> it's been too long. 
it seems like yeah but like you said some weird radioactive gas comes out of the sands here and it makes people have very vivid dreams i suppose we cut to seemingly the next day where um number two member of the team lom makes a move on zale's girl arena leading to a fight between the crew zale Kills both Lom and Lady Member Flair, then guns down Clayton, who's been damn. laughing maniacally the whole t- the whole time. But when he doesn't die and stays sort of a gun down zombie, Zale wakes up because it was all a dream. Ugh, I just like, and also some kind of weird premonition. Yeah, basically, yeah. The crew moves on, seemingly purged of various dark passions, according to this lady. Okay, uh, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, Zale returns to Saitan's castle with Clayton, his mission seemingly complete. The warriors disarm him, and go. we, we go to the warlord's throne room, Zale claiming that all of his comrades are dead, and Saitan offering to kill Zale as well. Instead, Zale pulls a machine gun from the duster Clayton is wearing and starts blasting everybody until he runs out of ammo, then draws his sword, and things you know start to look bad. But the rest of the crew is driving those water-sucking man-o'-wars into Saitan's base where they start eating people alive and exploding when folks try to hit them with torches and stuff. (laughs) Because we needed some exploding jellies. And we got to tie this back around to them appearing appearing previously or something, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, with all this weird stuff happening, Saitan does what any villain would do, which is call off his guards and engage Zale in single combat. They start fencing around, but Saitan does turn out to be a pretty good swordsman. He breaks the blade of Zale's sword and prepares to end the killing blow. I mean, you don't become a warlord if you are bad at doing a fight. Yeah, especially this kind of warlord where everybody uses swords in the first mm-hmm. place. and It's not like there's generational power. Um, the party's fighting their way up to Zale as Saiten's man. Men are killed by man of wars. Things are looking bad for Zale, though, as he calls for his friends and Arena comes running. But as she fights, Flair takes her chance and goes to shoot Arena in God. the back with an arrow. But Lom does one of those, no, get down, Mr. President, mm, kind of thing. <laughs> He only did well, Fox, and that's why he takes an arrow in the chest and dies. Um, in the throne room, Zale is disarmed before Saitan can land the death blow. Flair runs in and just gets cut down immediately. God damn. All seems lost, especially as Clayton takes a spear and stands over Zale as well, right next to Saitan. Could he be switching sides? Nah. Nah. He tosses I mean, the spear maybe, to Zale. But just not now when it would be convenient. Oh. Oh, fair. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He tosses the, the spear to Zale, and Zale uses it to impale Saitan. The warlord starts running, and he's got a big cache of guns as well. God oh, jeez. But as he goes out to shoot, he's attacked by a man of war that explodes, <laughs> and Zale shows up, and Mercy kills him, becoming the new warlord himself. By the law of the warlords or whatever. I mean, yeah, that's just, just like, going- that's how it works now, I guess. Yeah, standard warlord rules, honestly. Like, mm-hmm. you kill the warlord, you become the warlord, you know? Mm-hmm. Arena tells him, though, that he's got to end the cycle of violence, and he agrees. They make Clayton the warlord, and Zale and his buddies are headed off to find the fabled Norlands. But then I but guess, they run- yeah, yeah. This, this part is where I'm like, okay, I guess. There's no but reason at- for any of what happened. They're just tying off some ends, I guess. As they go to ride off to the sunset, Clay- Clayton comes after them, two guns are blazing, but then... The heroes throw some swords at him. He goes over the side of a cliff and dies. The end of Dry Run! Does that make him a warlord again? Doesn't matter. 
that that's the end of Dry Run Forever. This is uh, Vahamaji's only work in 2018. Uh. But Kev Hopgood will return for Below Zero in May of next year. Yay! I love Zero. Yeah, definitely. Got some more Tanner action in here. Mm-hmm. This is fine. This was fine. Yeah, was moderate. Fine. Yeah. yeah, just moderate sort of sci-fi action. I mean, okay. sword fighting's good, I guess, and psychic people for no reason. Yeah, definitely no explanations or what's going on with that psychic stuff and why Saitan was able to hold some members of the team hostage, and if he caused them pain, it would affect the whole rest of the team, but why these guys, various team members getting killed, didn't mess... With Zale. Oh and yeah, stuff. wait, yeah, he fucking the stack of people on, on his team just got murdered. Like no explanation of that. Just a lot of what's going on with the psychic stuff. Generally not talked about. Don't worry about it. Yeah, not gonna. It's not gonna be explained. So don't worry about it. <laughs> Speaking of things that won't be explained, Fox Thrill Six. Future shots. There's only there's only one important part of it. Well, two. So first one is I love that their sign is a giant middle finger, um, mm-hmm. and the second one is this like commander guy that we first get introduced to reminds me of a character from the later uh, Mega Man X series of games. Yes, yes, he's got kind of a Doctor Wily slash Snidely Whiplash kind of look. Mm. Um, Script, yeah, so this story is called Bigger, Big, Bigger, Biggest Bomb. Script robot Paul Carstairs, art robot Mike Hadley, letter robot Tom Frame. This is, a, this is in between the two Kronos Carnival stories in 699 and our first future shock since Prague 674. I was happy, but that's over, Fox. Um, ah. two, two forces are fighting. They're, bigging, they're building increasingly bigger bombs, and, have just fin- and once I just finished a big, giant... Destroy the galaxy multiple times over bomb in the hopes of bringing peace through mutually assured destruction. But instead, this guy accidentally presses the button to trigger the bomb and destroy the universe while he's announcing it. And that's why you got to have those, like, you know, turn two keys and shit stuff for <laughs> Or like a bombs. little glass box that you have to flip it up. Yeah. You got to Superman 3 that shit, Fox. God you got to, like... You know, you got to force Richard Pryor to make it work by using, like, some corpse puppetry or whatever. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, Superman 3 reference. Um, but, yeah, bombs triggered. It, it destroys the universe. Um, I, think there's a, I think there's a part that's become amusing, Fox, where they sort of talk about the awesome destruction of this bomb. And so they, they try to use some nonsense words by describing it as sounding like angry lemonade. Sure. But... In 2020, because there's so many, like, hard lemonades and stuff, I feel like Angry Lemonade's just a brand name, you know? So yeah. you know what it sounds like, and it's kind of a fizz. It's like a, um, it's like a spicy lemonade uh, with alcohol in it. Exactly. Yeah, like if they... Yeah, it's like lemonade, but there's also, like, Ginger? some jalapenos or, or something jalapenos. like that. Ooh, there. there we go. Or that's, like, a, like, a, like a cinnamon oh, or something. Yeah, maybe. I guess it depends on how white it's going to be in terms of, like, <laughs> how spicy it is. Because, like, Burger King did, like, some spicy burgers, and they called them angry burgers and stuff. Mm-hmm. But anyway, bomb goes off. Universe seems to be destroyed. But then, oh, the universe is not actually destroyed. You missed me, you bomb. All right. That's the, fine. The universe the universe keeps going. Bah, bah, bah. All right. Yeah, it was fine. It's a pretty good Fox. future shock. Uh, uh. Yeah, it's fine. 
I guess. It's a, we're, we're back in Future Shock mode. We had 24, 25 issues without them. And, you know, I'd, I'd rather, I guess I'd rather, like, I'm okay with Future Shocks, but I'd rather not have them than have them, I guess. Yeah, I don't exactly. Know. Um, but speaking of what you'd ra- rather have than not have, buddy. Oh, boy. What are your top and bottom thrills for this prog 696 to 699? Oh, so I will uh, give the, 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 the special... Uh, goodbye, boys. Kiss to Kronos Carnival um, as as a as a special mention. It was weird while it lasted, dude. <laughs> That's fair. It's a very weird comic, but I love it from its 1970s kind of nostalgia feel to it. Um, Definitely for my for my top. It is not slain though. Slain gets a big old like heart shape from me. It's beautiful, well written. I, I especially love like hey, cite your sources, kids at the end. But my god, dude, of course I'm gonna give it to Judge Dredd and Necropolis. This is like mm-hmm. none. Some of the loose ends being tied up. All of the problems <laughs> still remain. Um, real good. I'm excited to see what happens with Magruder. Like I'm, I'm just excited to see what happens next on Judge Dredd now because I have no idea. We're d- we're definitely going to get some co- some real cool tie-up stuff. Um, yeah, just dealing with the aftermath of, of, of things. We're actually going to get uh, Yasa returning. Ooh, ooh that's um, great. Um, um, next episode and stuff. I'm, 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 I'm stoked as to see how it goes. Man, I'm so excited for that. That's great. Um, is, is he going to have terrified? Oh, wait. Oh. No, he can't have giant terrified eyes, Fox. Because he doesn't, he don't got no eyes. Giant terrified sockets? We'll see. Yeah, if he can pull it off. I mean, Yasa may be the only one who can. Um, Man, bottoms? Harlem Heroes, man. I'm dumb. No, it's okay. Confusing. Go away. Stop stop being children in the playground. I'm already talking about this too much. Conrad. Conrad. Yeah. No, hey, listen, buddy. I'm gonna I'm gonna say what I've been saying for pretty much all of 1990, and be in solidarity with you by saying that Judge Dredd is my top and Harlem Heroes are, are my bottom. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the story of 1990. Like just like with the Apocalypse War, where I gave Dredd top for almost the entire year. Mm-hmm. Um, 1990 is very similar. One of the, an, another one of these biggest scare mega epics. Like uh, listen. It's beautiful. Necropolis is real good, real mm-hmm. awesome. Hard to, hard like it, it's impo- it's impossible for me to not give it the top spot here as it concludes. I loved all the tie ups and then sort of the uh, just like yeah, I guess we're we're, we're just fucked long term sort of ending. That, yeah. That's fun. And um, yeah, bottom Harlem heroes, fuck those guys. Fuck I will em. say definitely, like you said, honorable mention to um the, to both slain the horn god, which was amazing. And uh, to Hillary Robinson in general, uh, you know, shout out. I'm doing that Hunger Games thing with the three fingers, just yeah. like as a salute. Bernie um, Dorrell, yeah. whatever the the whistle was. Exactly. Yeah, listen. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, sweet. Okay. I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Titch, or the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site, spacespinner2000.com. Contact us at spacepinner2000 at gmail.com. The 2080 forum is our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter page. On Twitter, we're at Space Spinner 2K. For everything else, Space Spinner 2000, we should be there. This show is brought to you by Steve Green and your friends at the 2080 forums. If you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd appreciate it. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash That's our podcast network. There you can support the show. 
receive a ton of rewards, including advanced episodes, show notes, coverage of modern 2000 AD, and even a monthly Q&A with your boys, Conrad and Fox. Aw, yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah. So join us later this week on Wednesday as we get to the final Judge Dredd Magazine primer, where we're going to be recovering some of the ground we did this time, actually, as Eli and I discussed Necropolis, and then... Get ultra stoked for this Friday when Big Meg 1 begins with a bang with new stories for characters like Kenny Who and Chopper, as well as Judge Death's backstory and the start of one of the greatest Judge Dredd stories of all time, America. <laughs> and then come back on Monday. That's, that's the name of the story. It's an amazing tale. Oh. Come back next time as we'll start several new thrills, Fox, including one, including a time's fly, t- time flies, uh, Hooligan's haircut with art by your buddy Jamie Hewlett, yeah. and uh, the Judge Anderson story Shambhala, and um, Yasa returns in Judge Dredd as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm excited for that, uh, man. I'm so stoked for Judge Dredd. A lot to be excited for in these in the in, in, in these coming weeks in 2018 for sure. Until then, I'm Conrad, he's Fox, and we are Space Bitter 2000. Slug Deep Book 3!